Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome into another edition of the 615 Sessions podcast. Wow. (laughs) What a week. So, obviously, there's been a lot of developments that have gone down since last we spoke on Friday. The Titans got their ass kicked by the Eagles. General Manager John Robinson got fired. And now they are in a pretty precarious position coming up against the Jacksonville Jaguars, a game that is no sure win. So we're going to talk about that with Joe Rexrode of The Athletic today, and you'll hear that conversation shortly. Also tell you who's been ruled out by the Tennessee Titans organization for this Jag game and what that means moving forward. The 615 Sessions podcast, though, always presented by Two Rivers Ford. In-stock inventory, escapes, explorers, F-150s, edges, whatever you desire, Two Rivers Ford has them on the dealership just in time for the holiday season. And they always make shopping for a new vehicle fast, easy, and fun. You can do it the way that I did, which is custom order your next Ford online. Have it delivered right to your door. Fast, easy, simple. It's like ordering a package on Amazon. So smooth. You can go out to the dealership, test drive one for yourself, Work with one of your non-commissioned salespeople who are going to put zero pressure on you throughout the car course of the car buying process. And of course, you can always give them a call, 1-800-900-1000, and speak to one of the non-commissioned salespeople today. Two Rivers Ford has been doing business since 1983, nearly 40 years with honesty and integrity. Award-winning, award-winning customer service and quality American-made Ford vehicles Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. So without a bunch of small talk, let's get to Rex. So he uh, blows up my te- my phone while I'm trying to do live radio. So I figured we'd just put together a podcast so he could bitch at me live. Joe Rexroad of The Athletic and Robbie and Rexroad, 6 to 10 a.m., 1025 The Game is here. It has been a shit show of a week. We are taping this on Thursday afternoon, I'm sure that there will be something that comes out by the time this podcast is over. But in the meantime, John Robinson got fired, Joe, and it's lovely to see you. Nice to see you, too. I'm not mad anymore because you completely flip-flopped and uh, changed your position, and now you're, like, outraged like everyone else that Amy Adams Strunk didn't talk. So that's that's all my – that was my issue. Well, that and, like, your the headline that, of course, I sent you, which oh, – wait, gosh, what was it, Buck? clear correct move to fire john robinson what, what was it give me the headline give me the headline. absolutely the correct A-Z. decision to fire john absolutely robinson. the correct decision i got i got that on a to z yep and i got our friend jack gentry writing a piece for a to z about uh, how uh Schefter reported that amy didn't know about the trade oh i didn't see that what <laughs> well, well i'll I, send you that one too yeah please send me that one i listen i cannot speak for the rest of the uh for the rest of the uh, contingent there. I can only A lot take... of people thought that, though. That I wrote it? No, no, no. But a lot of people initially with that Schefter thing kind of thought he was, I said that, but then I guess he was hinting it, which, he, I mean, he didn't No, he that implied that she wasn't, she wasn't properly informed about a variety of different decisions. Right. 
kind of, you know, but he did some weird shit. This is not, this is not what we're going to get bogged down in, but like he did some weird shit with Ryan Tannehill's high ankle sprain, where he said it's believed to be a high ankle sprain. And then just put that out there in the middle of it. So I, you know, I mean, we can debate Schefter on another point. I did not completely flip-flop though, because this is the mm, distinction. It's quite that, a flip-flop. This is the, it's a, it's a slight, uh, a slight roll. I don't know if it's a full flip. <laughs> it's a slight roll. I, am on your side because both you and Kaharski text me bitching while I'm trying to do a three hour radio show almost by myself. Not quite, but most days um, <laughs> while I'm trying to do a show about how stupid I am for not thinking that anybody wants to hear from Amy Armstrong. And I will concede that I have moved my position to no longer believe that most people don't care to hear from Amy beyond the statement that she put out. There is probably uh, I would say Almost half of people don't care. Like, I just think that is still true. I think that we should care. I think that people should care. I think that we should be able to ask her questions. I don't think anybody gives a shit about what we want is my point. Well, that's true. But if you're a person who follows this team and cares about this team, then for me, if I if if I were a fan of this team, yeah, I want to hear the questions about why you fired John Robinson. But more importantly than that, by far, for me as a fan, I don't know what the heck. Do you have a plan or did yeah. you just do this? Yeah. And what is your plan? And where does Mike Vrabel fit into your plans? And are you hiring a real GM or like all that stuff? So, I mean, I. All I the shit any- that we peppered Mike or that you guys did so well to pepper Mike with yesterday. And by the way, a lot of questions that Mike needs to be asked, too. And I, you know, I felt I just felt like him being out there by himself left him out to dry in a way that he's a big boy, he can handle himself, and I thought he did fine. Um, but for the most part, there are there is there is what next questions that have to be asked. And beyond that, Amy hasn't talked really. She's not been a very active participant in the stadium conversation. She sure as shit hasn't talked since Mike Malarkey accused her of, of violating the Rooney Rule when they hired her. So there's there's a compounding situation here that I do. You know, the more that I thought about this, is why the role occurred, not the flip, but the role. Hmm occurred as I started to think about the things that have been compounding that we haven't had the opportunity to talk to Amy about beyond the line in a statement. And I would say that I agree. Now, are they banking on most people forgetting about all these different things and hoping that us pissing and moaning about it isn't enough to keep their, you know, their feet to the fire? Yeah, probably, because I forgot about the Rooney Rule stuff until I, you know, went through the amount of different things that I would like to ask Amy Adams Strunk a question about. Um, but on the, let's, let's keep it with the news, not the, cause this is how media people, I think, get distracted from what actually happened. John got fired <laughs> and this, this is, uh, I, we couldn't Lucas and, and I know Nick Suss at the Tennessee and did a good job to go back and like research. Okay. What is the precedent for something like this? And it's never happened quite in this scenario. There was a lions general manager that was seven and eight or something like that. that got fired in the middle Bills. of the Bills general manager in that was 2000 and at the turn of the century. Okay. Uh, and that's the last time that something like this has happened. Never a team leading their division, never the team comfortably leading their division with a winning record and likely to finish with seven consecutive winning seasons all under this dude who kind of pulled their asses out of the gutter with, you know, other things happening, but was a big part of the reason why they exist in this state today. And I, you know, I do think it's the right decision because the roster is in a clear state of decay to do it now, I think is interesting, but provided the context of the the scouting timeline and things like that. If you knew you were going to fire this dude anyway, don't Brian Harson it, just go. Okay. So you do think it's a clear, the absolutely the right decision because the roster is in a state of decay. 
I think the well, rosters. All, go ahead. No, okay. We can go. We can go through a lot of good football players on this roster who will win a division with this team, who are here because of John Robinson. Mm-hmm. But I think my biggest issue is well, two things. One, you're not. You are now saying it's going to get better. I'm finding someone who's going to do this better. Could you find someone who's going to do this better than John Robinson did in the 2020 and 2021 drafts? Hell yes. Hell yes. But I'm looking at those drafts, and I'm looking at this last draft, and I'm looking at the draft before those two drafts, and those two drafts were restricted. Mm -hmm. No excuse for not handling it better, but they were. And I want to ask you, Buck, are you sure that five years from now had John Robinson continued had John Robinson been allowed to continue doing his job that those two drafts wouldn't look more and more like exceptions because I'm, I'm not sure they would. Well, I think, I think that's a good question because so many of this, so much of the scouting stuff peaks and valleys anyway, right? Like good general managers have shitty drafts and they have streaks. Absolutely. Right. It's it. The reason that I feel that it's the correct decision no, I don't acknowledge I I well I do acknowledge that I don't necessarily know that somebody could do this better than John right now because it has been a shit show for the last 2 years and yes the coaching has gotten the benefit of the doubt for covering up for Robinson's mistakes but as we've been over like a literal record set for the number of players used they're very much on pace to get close to if not break that that again the 91 players in an NFL season. And no, I don't know that Ryan Cowden, who's been a part of all of these decisions, if not the trigger man on the decisions that end up getting made while he is well-regarded, I don't know that he could do a better job. And I don't know that Mike Vrabel wouldn't overrule him anyway, even if he could do a better job, because now Mike is in a pretty good position where we know he didn't actively lobby for John to be fired, but there's no scenario in which this doesn't benefit Mike Vrabel's influence on the organization. Um, I just think that John... There, there are two career arcs for John Robinson, right? The the point that got them to the 2019 championship game and everything that's happened since. There is no precedent for a global pandemic in the middle of an NFL scouting season, much less everything else that happened, right? But it's not just it's not just the draft picks. They have taken substantial swings and missed in a way that there hasn't been enough to make up for the way that they've missed. And I think that part of it cannot be ignored because, Joe, they cannot get anything fucking done offensively. They look awful, awful. Sure. And I just, I don't think, I think that a lot of the moves that have been made around that, the domino effect created is directly, John is almost directly responsible for it. <clears throat> okay. But the thing is, when you make a move like this, if if you're worried about either keeping someone to reward them or or firing them to punish them, you're doing it wrong. So, again, I'm asking you absolutely the right move. <clears throat> to me, that says, one, you know that he couldn't get out. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with all the mistakes. I mean, the A.J. Brown trade, I lost my mind for like a month straight. It was terrible. Uh, I, I mean, look, I mean, the Bud Dupree thing looks bad. The, we know I'm with you on all the mistakes and on the state of the offense and all these things. But absolutely the right decision means, Again, you don't think he can do it. You don't think that you don't think he's capable of turning it around. And two, that you think they are going to find someone better. I mean, does this mean that you you just believe that basically Vrabel is going to have final say or something like that and that he's going to be better than Robinson? 
I, I think Mike is definitely going to have, I think Mike is the, whoever the new GM, Mike's not working for the new GM like that, that I very much believe <laughs> with the way that this has gone down. Um, I don't know that John Robinson can't turn around. I bet they could find somebody to do just as good, if not better of a job as John Robinson has done since the 2019 championship game is the, is why I think that absolutely is something that can be changed. I absolutely okay. think that's something that can be changed. So, okay. So again, if you're so telling they, me that it's a crapshoot anyway, then yeah, go get somebody else who you aren't tired of their, I, I don't want to call it excuses. Cause there's, but it just might, or Joe, it feels like, it feels like I'm having a Marcus Mariota conversation again, where it's just like, Oh, there's so many different reasons why this guy hasn't been able to be successful, and yet they can they continue to sputter. So, at what point does the production or lack thereof, and the production is different in the case of Marcus and in the case of John? But I, I, at some point, like, would you not be frustrated as an ownership group watching your team get its, you know, its, uh, its back broken in half by the very wide receiver that you traded away not eight months ago? Of course, you would. Sure. Sure, of course I would be. Again, no question. Again, all the criticisms are fair, you know, and it's fine. You don't you don't like the excuses. I guess I guess I'm trying to, you know, John did the the Q and A with Ben Arthur, and it, there was a little bit of, that was that had a little bit of excuse making feel to it, right? And there have been a couple other times that he's kind of talked through it and been asked you know, some tough questions. He's talked with us, and I, I don't know. I guess I didn't think it was like excessive. Look, I I understand the idea of maybe people pissed off that he was he was crying in Andy but I think it was genuine because he I mean that was purely someone who knew that they should have should have uh you know been in the Super Bowl and by the way Buck you know done his job since 2019 fine <clears throat> but <clears throat> he had the one seed last year yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> he, he had the one seed last year to win two home games to get to the Super Bowl and I cannot blame John Robinson for the Tannehill or downing aspects of completely shitting the bed in that game so you're telling me that a year ago, you get to a, a situation where you are the, I mean, you're at home to get to the Super Bowl as the one seed, and then a couple weeks later, you give a five year extension, and now it's all washed away. Yeah, I mean that's what ownership's okay. telling you. Absolutely, well, I know that's what they yeah. did. Yeah, that's... absolutely the right decision. Bob. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, listen. Okay, I, I'm with that. Listen, I. Because I get it, like that that he 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 signifies or he has been a stabilizing force for them in the ways that Vrabel in well in in a different way, but he has been a stabilizing force for them, the two foundational pieces. And I I know they had a good working relationship, Mike and John, even though I know they disagreed on a lot of critical players, AJ Brown, Julio Jones, to name two in particular that have caused, I think, a substantial amount of this damage, not just because Julio was a wash, but because you had to restructure Ryan Tannehill's deal. Now he has the biggest cap hit in all of football. You cannot move him next year, even if even if he was a problem. He's not a problem, but I'm saying, even if you wanted to reset, he's got he a dead cap hit of $18 million if they try to move him. The post June one is better, is, is way, way better than that, right? It's more, it's for sure more palatable. But there are different things that make them more married to Ryan Tannehill than maybe an ownership sure. group wants to be. So I'm, I'm, I appreciate what you're saying is that it has been good. Can it be better? I my my particular position with zero interest in the success or failure of the football team is, yeah, but is that enough to keep things status quo? Because I, you know, that that whole crossroads uh, thing that Mike said, like I don't think that's insignificant. 
Because I, I, I mean, you can tell me how you interpreted it. I know Mike trying to clean it up on Monday morning. But, like, all I heard was, yeah, we have to figure out whether we're just going to buckle down and have a better attitude and try our try even better than we think we're capable of being because we can't do shit else. Like, that, that to me, is a wild, a huge red flag. Yeah. Look, again, like, I'm not here arguing against the state of the team. You know, you bring up Julio, though. I mean, look, the information since makes it very, very easy to go back and Monday morning quarterback that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the information at the time was he had been durable his entire career. That last year he had had the hammy. He had missed a few games. I I, I loved the move. That to me was, I mean, again, in the moment, I loved the move. That was a, that was a you know what, take this offense that scored 31 a game and make it absolute you know, kerosene and we know what happened. Yeah. And that's the thing. You have these moments at times with players like that, and you don't know when they're going to hit that wall and you hope you got at least a year. I, I really thought they would. I thought they, I thought they would really benefit from that. Um, again, no, I that's no- honestly that his most popular decisions like personnel wise are the ones that have gone up in flames other than, other than AJ, like Clowney was a Clowney was celebrated as a, as they got the thing that was going to help their pass Russian Jeff. Julio was celebrated. And, you know, I I probably go back and find something that I wrote agreeing with the decision because I understood it even if I looked at it like a second round, a second and a fourth for that. I I don't I know I felt I felt strongly about the capital, but I also acknowledge, okay, like I see what they're trying to do here, even if I think they got got. And then I think, you know, the AJ thing, did the AJ thing not, and this maybe this is maybe more Monday morning quarterbacking. But does that not seem like a panic decision? Like the way that he got, you know, that he was getting tired of the uh, of the negotiations, the way that we all knew was going down, and then just say, okay, let me try and get something for this dude in ways that are, you just, you can't operate like that in today's NFL. Nobody else got peer pressured into moving a player that caused a scene this year. You can debate Kyler Murray, the, vera- the, the, the validity of how that panned out. You can debate Debo Samuel if you want to. But John's the only one that got got in that moment. And frankly, that to me is a fireable offense. Look, look again, I agree. No, I think he panicked. I think he blew it. Um, and so, but, but see, then I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to argue with you. It's like fireable offense. You got to do, you got to have the person in there that is the best possible person, which is what Mike Vrabel this offseason is going to have to ask himself, not, not about you didn't do anything to get fired, not about loyalty or anything like that. Is Todd Downing the best person to be the offensive coordinator for the Titans? That's it. Mm. And so absolutely the right decision, Buck, means you have a plan and you have someone is who is going to be better than John Robinson because I still think you – I mean, you want to take his career and cut it in half. I'm not sure. Again, I think that this draft class, to me – helps him when you look at the way things might be turning out with this class might be pretty good. Um, and I just, the, the, this decision, if it's just made because someone committed a fireable offense or you're angry or it just, you know, like, like, or you want like, it can't be a punishment. It has to be because you have a better plan and not just, we want to reach higher. Okay. But how? Yeah. And I just said, I, you know, I told you I'm going to send that headline to you. Absolutely the right decision. A couple of years when they're five and twelve, and we'll have a nice laugh over it. <laughs> we will. I, uh, yeah, you know, I. But my thing is like, 
So as far as like a, a philosophical strategy, and of course we're just speculating on this because Amy isn't talking. So what the hell do we know? But like, I almost look at it as the same way, like the same kind of decision-making as the Rams, right? Where you're just like, okay, whatever happens in the future happens, but I'm going to do everything that I can right now. Now, the difference is that is an, that is a more, that is a more solid situation than a team on what December the 6th, I guess, when they ended up doing the firing with no, I mean, I don't know what they do personnel wise. I don't know that Ryan, I mean, is Ryan Cowan just going to sign another left tackle for the sake of saying, Hey, you know, all right, we got somebody else that the other guy didn't sign somebody. Maybe keep me around next year. Cause I've been trying to interview for these GM jobs. And nobody else will hire me. Maybe this is, maybe this will work out. Look, see what I did. And then maybe that guy sucks too. Cause it's December the 8th and there's no good left tackles available beyond Dennis Daly. In fact, I, I think I said it yesterday on the radio show. Like, they're probably in the best possible position. God help me with Dennis Daly that they would be because the other two are awful. The Raven Clark and, and Dylan Raiden's isn't even a tackle at this point. He's a non-factor in this discussion. You cannot, it, it's, it, it compounds though, right, Joe? Like that's why I'm saying it's in two parts because you have four picks, Isaiah Wilson, Darrington Evans, uh, Caleb Farley, and Dylan Raiden's four picks in the top 100 who are complete non-factors for your football team. Just not like, and that's great if you're out here trying to patch it together with fifth round picks and Terrence Mitchell or whatever you want to do. But that, should, it, that to me does not scream sustainable business model. Now you're right. The 2022 class looks better, but I don't, I don't think we can say that concretely on such a small sample size. These decisions never pan out until like we know for sure what the players are two or three years down the road. Right. Nick Petit Frere starting is great. Roger McCreary starting is great. Traylon Burks looks like he's got juice, but that's the the thing is that's the only juice that they have left. They've left everything else around at Barron, and so when he's done or when he's out concussed, they got they got nothing else offensively. Sure, yeah. I want Chig too, by the way. Chig, uh, <clears throat> I think he's going to be a good player. I- Again, the state of the offense is there's there's no debate. There's no debating it. And it's been a series of missteps in the you know, the offensive line evaluation and not just draft so signing. I mean, Kendall Lamb, you know, is just can't do a thing for you. Jamarco Jones can't do a thing for you. So uh, they've had their issues. So that's the thing. I look, there's there's so much information we don't have. I know there's so much information I don't have about, you know, all that went through Amy's head on this <clears throat> and all of the discussions and evaluations. And if you can, if you again, I'm just saying, like, if you're punishing, and and when people were like, how could you fire him? He's done this and this and this for your team. Again, I don't think you should keep him because you should reward him either for like this consistent. Really, it's purely about, you know, can he do the job? Just look, if you want to go through the NF, NFL GMs right now or recent past and really dig in on them. Like you, you said earlier, but I mean, really dig in on some of the drafts and signings. The mistakes are just, I mean, the mistakes are plentiful for all. Plentiful for all, okay? I think the hard part here, obviously, is that you got, you changed the expectations. You got to a certain point, you went for it, and then a series of things that were bad. So that's all fair criticism. I just, I, I'm stunned still. I am. And I, oh, do, sure. not, I do not absolutely think it's the right decision. Um I think it's probably going to look like a mistake. I don't feel as convicted that this is going to be a mistake the way I was with A.J. Brown. That was a lot easier to, to, to diagnose that one. 
but oh man, it, it's it's not as easy as just go get another GM. And I think that there, like a lot of what is in that building, John Robinson did that. John Robinson laid that foundation. And John Robinson, by the way, was a guy who wanted to go get Mike Vrabel and did that too. And that worked out okay. I feel like if you really want to take everything, as long as you're not going to do like you and do like BC and AD or whatever with them, then I think the, you know the good way outweighs the bad with John Robinson. BC AD, yeah, it's uh, a little bit a little bit old ir- irony that Robinson got malarkeyed when that seemed like that <laughs> seemed like a very very orchestrated situation that saw Mike Vray and by the way the right orchestrated decision so. We'll see how this goes, but I, I think, and I, and I complained about that one too. So malarkey. To fair. Oh yeah. Oh God, Joe. Oof. What? They won. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely I said the guy won a playoff game and they were five and 27 before he became your coach. Now, nah, but see, that's, that's the thing that I think I fear the most and in, in just general sports like that, that like, okay, he did well enough. Keep him around. Like I, I just, I, I love that. The, and there's, there's two parts of this one. I don't necessarily know how I feel from a practical standpoint about an ownership group behaving like the fan base. Cause that's why she's not out there. The fan base doesn't, they're not mad enough. They think they've won, right? They got what they wanted. Like, otherwise she'd be out there probably talking to us. Uh, they got the, the vast majority of the feedback that I've gotten. You may feel differently is that they got what they wanted, which is way, crazy in and of way itself. more, way more than I expected. And it is crazy. I right. Think. So that's, that's where we are. I also, I also think that there's, you know, there's a tendency it's shaking things up just for the sake of shaking things up is not a good thing, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Now, if that's the, we don't know if that's the strategy or not, because all we have is a statement that says, I think our team can do more. Okay. When? Because <laughs> I don't think it's this year, but um, yeah, the whole thing is, is fascinating to me. Um, what happens if they get beat by the Jags on Sunday? Cause I think, I think that's more real than people want to give, give voice to. Well, it could definitely happen. I mean, they, I mean their offense, uh, you know, is going to score. Are they going to? Are they going to have a big day and get to twenty? I mean, they they can they can lose any game. Uh, well, if that happens, then certainly the, the all you know half the questions for for uh, Vrabel will of course be about the distraction of this week and and the and the role and every single one of them he will dunk on whether it's true or not he will dunk on it right. Um, I tell you what, if it happens, like they're still like they like they get the Texans at home, like they're still going to win the division, but it's going to be, it could get like a little bit uncomfortable because then you have the chargers. I mean, it's, it, it could get real uncomfortable. I still think ultimately it's very difficult to see the path for them to not win the AFC South, but it, it cracks the door open. The Jags of course do get them in the finale at home. Mm-hmm. showdown for the division oh my goodness they they already got how exciting they, <laughs> you remember that miserable game we did what was that 2017 no 20 2017 was the coldest game at nissan stadium when bortles beat them for the for to 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 uh go to the playoffs i can't remember exactly bortles beat them well the, they 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 lost a game at home to the jags no, maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering. No, the the seventeen was when Mariota beat the Jags, Barry Church and the stiff arm and all that. That to was very into, cold. Okay, yeah. No, I'm just I'm I'm thinking of well, maybe that was for the Titans playoff lives mm. that they had to win that game. Maybe yes. I'm misremembering. Okay, that's, that's exactly right. I'm Either. the one with the old brain, but come on. 
No, I don't know, bud. It's this this week has this week makes me feel like my brain is rotting for all the different <laughs> variations of conversations that I've had to have about this. It is a it is a fairly ridiculous move, but you know you you can but absolutely the right one, absolutely the right one. Uh, Joe Rexroad, six to ten a.m. Monday through Friday on one zero two five. The game, Robbie and Rexroad, and of course you can read the mighty scribe on literally every sport because I don't think they have anybody else doing it at the Athletic. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, buddy. That'll do it for us on this Friday. We're going to tell you, though, who is in and out for this game uh, and who is questionable for this game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. A quick reminder, though, Superbook Sports, where you can go to wager on the Titans, the Jags, every NFL game, every NBA, college football, basketball, bowl season ahead. A lot of fun wagering opportunities for you in the Superbook Sports app. They'll match your first bet up to $1,000, win or lose. And the app itself, clean, easy to use. A great tab specifically for Tennessee teams for you to get all the best odds boosts and promo bets on your favorite local sports. So download the Superbook app today. Go to Superbook.com for terms and conditions. If you have a gambling problem, call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. So... Let's take a look at this injury report. Out for the Titans. Danico Autry, Trey Avery, C.J. Board, Traylon Burks, Christian Fulton, and David Long. Man, is that defense uh, a mess right now. And, I mean, I honestly assume McCreary is going to play corner on the outside, Mitchell alongside him. I I assume they're going to call up somebody like Greg Mabin from the practice squad. But, whew, it's shades of 2021 kids. To be certain, questionable are Jeffrey Simmons, Tier Tart, and Hassan Haskins, who has missed uh, a little bit of time dealing dealing with that hip injury. Now, without CJ Board and TBD on Hassan Haskins, I have no idea who the returners are for this football team. Robert Woods, maybe again. Oof. I mean, he's better at returning, I guess, than he is at playing wide receiver. He's not been a uh, he's not been an asset to this football team. At this point, and as we move forward with the Jags, uh, Trevor Lawrence at this point is questionable. Chad Muma, their starting uh, starting linebacker, is out. Andre Sisco, the safety, and wide receiver Zay Jones also considered questionable. But for the most part, Jags are working with a lot more parts and pieces than the Titans are. And the Titans, I mean, I just consider them to be, at this point, doesn't mean they can't revitalize things if if the health of the team ever gets right. But I just, I mean, the Titans are a bad football team right now. Just objectively bad. Uh, The red zone struggles, notable, 0 for 4 in their last two games. Uh, In red zone attempts, they've gotten six points out of four red zone trips. That's disgusting. They can't get pressure on the quarterback. Jeff Simmons has been a non-factor. Derrick Henry, because of the poor uh, blocking in front of him and because of a lack of receiving threats, Derrick has been... Not neutralized, but he's really not been a factor in any meaningful way. And so you're left asking the question, well, what does this football team do well right now? And the answer is, I mean, maybe the punter. But even then, like Ryan Stonehouse, Slick has the most return yards against him of any punter in the league this year. Not an ideal situation. So if the Titans lost to the Jags on Sunday at home, I honestly wouldn't be surprised. Because this is an imminently beatable football team right now. And I'm not just doing doom and gloom on you. And, and you know, I'm sorry if you feel that way. But it's kind of tough shit. Because this is, this is a roster that's 
ill-equipped to compete in the way that it needs to. And this is about as important a game as they'll have all season long. It's going to do it for us this week on the 615 Session Podcast. Certainly it'll be an interesting game, and we'll see what is, uh, what is made of it on Sunday afternoon at Nissan Stadium. As always, I'll be out there. We'll be doing Titans pregame radio and always enjoy you guys uh, coming up and saying hi and chatting for a little while while I'm running around doing pregame responsibilities. Have a fantastic weekend, and if I see you at Nissan Stadium, that'll be great. And if not, I'll talk to you next Friday on the 615 Sessions podcast.